Hello and welcome. You have just tuned in to The Local Lens, the podcast from the Powell County Health Department in Kentucky, Rio. Well, there, there's a saying um, you can in, in recovery that you can only keep it by giving it away. Um, so there were so many people when I was in treatment that shared their story with me um, and, and told me about what was going on with them in the past and, and today that it gave me little tiny bits of hope each time I'd hear somebody's story um, and see living proof that it was possible. Because before I came to treatment, I just thought I was a junkie that was going to die uh, of drugs or end up in jail. You know, I can't say it enough. Th- those I thought were my two options. Um, I didn't think there was any possibility uh, to be where I am today, let alone three years ago. Um, I didn't think that was possible. And that is the voice of Brandon Hill from Addiction Recovery Care. Brandon Hill was on our previous episode of The Local Lens with Will Arvin, where we were all talking about second chance employment. But this time around, we're going to be focusing in on Brandon's story, because this guy is a kind of a rock star in addiction recovery care, which we're going to be calling ARC quite a bit today. ARC is based out of Eastern Kentucky, but is now growing to be a statewide organization and even going into other states around Kentucky. And Brandon Hill has worked his way up in ARC, starting as a peer support specialist at one of the treatment centers, and now is working as the deputy chief of staff. If you've not heard the previous episode of us talking about second chance employment in general, I encourage you to go back and listen to that episode after this one. But you can listen to this one and hear how it ended up working out for Brandon Hill specifically. He's got a really interesting story for us, so let's go on and get into that. You're listening to The Local Lens from the Powell County Health Department and Kentucky Rio. My name is Nate Brooks and I'll be your host for the conversation today. These are our people, using our voices, telling our stories, because no one sees it like we do. Sure, my name's Brandon Hill. I'm the Deputy Chief of Staff here at Addiction Recovery Care. So in my role, um, I'm fortunate enough to to work with some of our key leaders. Um, I I help with uh, bridging some partnerships uh, that we have. We have a lot of partners, internal and external. Um, I fill in some gaps uh, where they have a lot going on. Um, There's a lot of big ideas around here, a lot of things moving forward. So I just try to fill those gaps for them. And Brandon himself is in long-term recovery. I was actually spent some time in treatment with your last guest from ARC, uh, Will Arvin. We spent some time together uh, at one of our facilities in Catlisburg, Kentucky. So we are in far, far eastern Kentucky doing this interview. We are at the ARC headquarters in Louisa, Kentucky, which is just about as far east as you can get in Kentucky. West Virginia is right out that window on the other side of the mountain there, hill. Okay, so yeah, I am looking at West Virginia right now. Yes. So we are out here in eastern Kentucky for sure. And where are you from? Uh, originally from Newark, Ohio, okay. um, a little outside of Columbus. Um, I moved down here to Flatwoods, Kentucky, eastern Kentucky here about 11 years ago. So my dad got a new job. I just uh, got finished with college, uh, and and we all kind of migrated down this way. Dad got a new job, so everybody followed him. You've got a look about you that I cannot even give a guess on what your age is. How old are you? (laughs) 
I am 37. 37. Yeah, yes, you, yeah you don't look 37. Well, thank you. So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so ARC has this incredible program through their recovery centers called Crisis to Career. And that's what our previous episode was about. So if you want the full details, then go back and listen to that one after this. But here's a small clip from that episode. This is Will Arvin, a Powell County native, describing some of this program. So the crisis of career would be um, literally you getting a needle pulled out of your arm or you pulling a needle out of your arm and coming into treatment a year later. (laughs) They're going to have different programs that you can go into through that year and they give you a job man they give you a job they give you employment they give you family they give you love they give you every single opportunity to not just survive but thrive you heard him mention that there are several different pathways you can take in this Um, in louisa they help train people to become mechanics They help get people to be food handler certified so they can go work in restaurants anywhere. There's even a program that helps people develop artistic skills and try to help people make a living from doing that. And then there is one of the big ones is a peer support specialist program. Trains people to be able to help other people work through their recoveries. It takes people that have lived experience themselves and puts them in a place where they can help other people find recovery. So, did you do any of the crisis to career paths or anything? Yeah, I was I was very fortunate. Um, I spent you know a, a full year in residential treatment um, to where I did our phase one, our phase two program, our phase three, and then was fortunate enough to to earn an internship. And I chose the path of the peer support academy. So I'm a certified peer support specialist uh, with an MPI number, and I, I can provide services and, and bill Medicaid. Um, and, and I learn a lot about myself, um, not just to facilitate group and, and help others, which I guess in turn goes hand in hand, but a lot about learning who I am and what I need to do for my recovery and, mm-hmm. and just really kind of found out who I am during that six to eight months of my internship in the Peer Support Academy. Okay. Why was turning around and working in addiction itself in that field, that specific field, why was that important to you? Well, You know, I didn't know what my plan was. Uh, My first day of treatment, I thought (coughs) I thought life as I knew it was over. Uh, And it was, but in a bad way. Um, I thought I was never going to be employed again. I was going to have this big gap in my resume. Um, I was going to have to explain things uh, about my past that maybe people weren't so understanding about. So I just thought things were pretty much over for me. Uh, And at that time, it was just about living. Mm -hmm. So... I was fortunate enough, though, to learn very quickly once I got in treatment with addiction recovery care that the people ahead of me, um, I got to see what they were doing um, and the opportunities that were given to them uh, and how happy they were and living a successful life. It kind of gave me a little bit of uh, hope, uh, inspiration that I might be able to do the same thing. So it was probably about eight months into my treatment where... I was kind of not sure what I was going to do, um, but I've grown to love the people that I work with, um, seeing others find joy and happiness and sobriety like I have, that it was just something that eventually grew and grew and grew on me, and they haven't been able to get rid of me yet. <laughs> yeah. 
So this is a pretty good model for ARC as an organization because they're recruiting people that go through their program to come and work for them, which lets them offer the recovery service to even more people. And that's a very natural way for this organization to grow. You know, our, our ultimate goal is, you know, we, we have, we are a fast growing company um, with, with big hopes of reaching as many as we can. So with that becomes job opportunities within ARC. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not for everybody. Um, everybody has a different path. Everybody has a different walk and recovery. So we want to broaden that scope of training and, and learning to where they can take any skill and, and apply that to not only addiction recovery care, but um, other employers, mm-hmm. mechanics, um, kitchens, restaurants, cruise lines, you know, the hospitality industry. So kind of broadening that scope to, to give people the best opportunity that, that they want to do um, is really the ultimate goal. And this is one of the big things that I really respect about this program. They're giving people options to pursue what field they want to pursue. And that's a really strong way to motivate somebody to want to stay sober because you're starting to hit at that ambition and you're trying to find people's passions and what they want to be doing with their time. I think, you know, when you go through this, it it becomes a passion um, and and a love to, you know, I I get my cup filled just as much as hopefully I'm filling somebody else's cup by, by doing what I can to help them. Mm -hmm. Um, Not, not necessarily even as, as a peer support specialist in a group setting, um, but just, anybody that's out there struggling um because i've been there you know i know what it's like so it's uh i don't know what to say it's hard to put in the words you know just how it makes you feel and what it does for you as a person Mm -hmm. um to see others succeed um Mm -hmm. it's a (laughs) it's amazing uh to see somebody come in at their worst um like myself ready to die uh to having a great opportunity uh getting restoration with family and children and you know it's it's Co-workers are amazing here, so I think people just really build a passion for this Mm -hmm. field and love this field. So we are about to change gears here a little bit. We're going to go on and get into Brandon Hill's story. He's got a great story to tell, so we're just going to let him tell it. Start wherever you think is appropriate to start. Tell us your story. Okay, so So I I appreciate the opportunity to tell my story. Um, I grew up in a normal home. normal family um you know mom fixed dinner every night we sat down at the dinner table uh dad coached my football baseball basketball whatever team it was um so you know i had a normal uh childhood growing up as i got a little older um i became um a successful baseball player um in in my younger years in high school and i put a lot of pressure on myself um that I thought was pressure uh, and expectations put on me maybe from from others. But in all reality, going through recovery and, and learning a lot about myself, it, it was me putting those on myself. So I, I went to college. Um, I started, you know, using drugs as far as like what people would call recreational drugs, uh, marijuana, some alcohol um, at an early age, probably, you know, eighth grade, ninth grade. Um and it then turned to a little harder drugs. Um, but again, it wasn't 
a full-fledged addiction. It was just on the weekends uh, with some friends. Uh, didn't think much of it. Um, but as I got older, um, I went to college, uh, tried to play baseball in, in Northwest Ohio. And that's probably when my addiction really kind of took over. I was uh, missing classes because I was three hours away from home and I'd go back home to party or I'd be too tired to, to make it through the class and fall asleep, you know, in astronomy when they turn the lights off to look at the constellations. Um, I've done so, that before. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. after lunch too. So yeah. I was, I was already set up for failure with that. But, yeah. <laughs> so it, it slowly was, was getting worse and worse, but at the time I would have never said I had a problem. Um, to me, it, it kind of felt normal because a lot of, a lot of other people were doing it. Um, but, but I quickly learned that I'm a little different than everybody else. Um, when everybody else goes home, uh, or, or could, could stop, uh, I wasn't that person. Uh, I, I would continue to, to use and, and, and really put that first and foremost above anything else. So I always had a job. Um, I, I tried to hide it, uh, from everybody. I, I wore a mask. I wore a, a bunch of different masks, uh, just trying to not get caught in all reality. Um, and, and fake people out for so long so they wouldn't maybe confront me about my problems. So it was probably, I hurt my back in high school, um, lifting weights for football um, and, and sports. And it wasn't real bad at the time, but with the lifestyle I was living, uh, it, it kept getting worse and worse. And by the time I was, mm, I'd say 25, uh, I, I had significant back issues that was causing me pain and I was going to doctors that probably didn't have my best interest in mind and was prescribed a very heavy dose of, uh, prescription medications that I was completely abusing. Um, I never had enough. They'd always run out. I'd always be trying to get them from somebody else. Um, so that's when things really started to spiral out of control for me. Um, I would use not only just prescription drugs, but other drugs to, to stay awake because the prescription drugs had made me so tired or uh, many reasons or excuses I would try to tell myself uh, on why I was using other drugs. So looking back, I had gotten to a point where I was, I had lost my job of seven years. Um, my parents didn't want anything to do with me. Um, if I step foot on their property, they were probably going to call the cops. And, uh, I was living in a trailer with no heat, uh, no running water, just a couple tricks from the toilet or from the sink, uh, to flush the toilet maybe two times a day if we were lucky. Um, and, and it was a dark place. Um, I had pretty much given up on myself. I thought that I was either going to, end up in jail um or dead how and old were you then probably i was actually i was 33 okay. uh 33 and i had a friend who i had known for 10 years we'd abused prescription drugs together we had partied together uh we were with each other every day and he unfortunately was arrested uh, about a year prior to what i just mentioned and I didn't go see him. I didn't go put money on his books. 
um, I was still in that selfish, self-centered mindset that only I mattered. So I'd gotten to that point where I was living in that trailer, as I mentioned. Uh, things were the darkest they'd ever been. And I saw him. I kind of followed him on social media, and, and he looked like he was doing really well. Um, so out of desperation, I called him um, and, and just was hoping he knew the answer. Um, I hadn't talked to him in a long time. And I asked him, you know, what and how he was doing. And he had mentioned he was working out of rehab. Um, and to me, that was shocking because uh, this guy uh, was just as bad as I was, um, partying just as much as I was, uh, using just as many drugs as I was. And it looked like he had really turned his life around. So he started uh, telling me about this place where he got clean and sober, um, which came to found, find out that it's only about 15 minutes from my house. Um, and I had no clue it was there. I guess I wasn't looking for it either, <laughs> but I had no clue it was there. So he, uh, he was smart. He, uh, he wanted to help me, but he kept an arm's length away because at that time I was dangerous um, to his sobriety. So he did everything he could for me uh, to, to help me get what he had, which was some joy and happiness and sobriety. So he told me about the place he was working at. Um, he told me what I needed to do and he'd do anything he could to help me get in, uh, to treatment. So out of desperation, um, I agreed to it. I, I didn't have any other option. Uh, like I'd mentioned, my, my other options I thought were jail or death. So he got me into treatment. Um, and that's where I'd mentioned I spent a whole year, um, in, in residential treatment with addiction recovery care. Uh, I, I had learned who I was, um, what I enjoyed, um, what I was good at. Um, I, I learned so many things about myself uh, that, that helped me to this day uh, to stay clean and sober. It's, it's hard to talk about uh, because it was such a dark time. I'm going to butt in real quick and say that this is a concern I have a lot when I'm interviewing people who have history with addiction because you are touching some sensitive topics. Well, there, there's a saying um, you can in, in recovery that you can only keep it by giving it away. Um, so there were so many people when I was in treatment that shared their story with me. Um and told me about what was going on with them in the past and, and today that it gave me little tiny bits of hope each time I'd hear somebody's story um, and see living proof that it was possible. Because mm-hmm. before I came to treatment, I just thought I was a junkie that was going to die uh, of drugs or end up in jail. You know, I can't say it enough. Th- those I thought were my two options. Um I didn't think there was any possibility uh, to be where I am today, let alone three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think that was possible. But now he is working in the corporate offices of a statewide organization and one that is very effective in their work. Been working your way up here. How long have you been working for ARC, like on staff here? Yeah. So it was January 9th. Uh, 2018 when I entered treatment um, like I said I did the whole gamut the whole year 
um, to give myself the best opportunity to never have to go through that again. And I was employed January 14th, uh, 2019, a year later. And I started out um, working at the same place uh, that I found sobriety, uh, right down the road in Catlisburg, right outside of Ashland. And I started out as a residential admission specialist. So helping the guys come in, uh, doing their paperwork, getting them everything they needed, settled in. Um, I, I was blessed to be the first person they got to see and meet when they came to our house. Um, quickly, about a month later, uh, I spotted opened up as the office manager there. So I gladly took that opportunity uh, to to further um, my my knowledge and and experience in the behavioral health field. Mm. And I did that for about a year, uh, 10 months to a year. And after that 10 months or a year, I was given the opportunity to come up to the corporate setting um, in the operations department. And there I started out as an operations assistant where I worked very closely with the COO, the chief operating officer. And that was probably for about... Six months, I think. Uh, It's changed. I've changed a lot of roles here, so Mm -hmm. the timelines get a little fuzzy, but it was about six months. And at that time, the the company kind of did a little shift in their uh, structure of the organization. And that COO that I had worked with for six months took a different role as a senior vice president of strategy and innovation. Um, It's kind of a new department, a new realm that we were spending more focus on. So I followed him um, and became a data strategy and data specialist. Um, did that for maybe six months as well. Um, and then was fortunate enough to be offered the opportunity to become the deputy chief of staff, which I am today. And I've been in this role for maybe close to four months. Okay. Uh, time flies around here. There's so much going on <laughs> and, and, and busy and, uh, it, the timelines get a little fuzzy because it doesn't seem as long as what it is. And this is what I believe is known as a success story, an incredible success story, actually. And it makes me wonder how similar that is for other people working at ARC. You're in recovery. Yes, How sir. many of the other people in like the corporate office would you think? Like, is there like a percentage of people or anything? Uh, overall, roughly 50% of our employees are in recovery themselves. Um, and of that 50%, I think um, it's roughly 30 to 40%, uh, well, 30 to 35% are addiction recovery care graduates um, who had gone through the, the program here, spent their whole year, did the internship, and were employed after that one year of treatment. Okay. So quite, quite a few. So what does that mean then for ARC to have like half of the people helping run it know what it's like to be receiving at least maybe not the arc treatment itself but like just short sure. so, recovery so i think um we have a little different life experience um than others and having gone through that treatment has you know what what used to be all oh, the the dark spot the the untalked about in my life um has become one of my strengths because I'm able to articulate or to give my side of what something may look like to one of our clients. Um, and ultimately, that's what addiction recovery care is about, is our clients, serving our clients to give them the best opportunity to discover hope and live out their God-given destiny. 
So that unique experience that we bring that are in recovery, uh, I think has been instrumental in addiction recovery care, being successful as far as helping as many clients as we can find sobriety. And, and it's more than sobriety. Um, it's a lot more than just being sober. Um, but, but that's, you know, where it starts. What's it about? It, it's about life, uh, enjoying life, um, relationships you build with your family and restore with your family. Um, you know, getting married, having children, being a dad again uh, to the children that you had an addiction that maybe you didn't spend much time with. Um, because ultimately, you know, drugs or alcohol are first and foremost. It's a, it's a very self-centered, um, uh, selfish disease. So, you know, I've found joy, peace, happiness, uh, you know, pride in what I do uh, and who I am today. So I can go on and on with that list. But, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's a lot more than just being sober. There's all kinds of sayings uh, in recovery. Um, but, but one that really stuck with me is my best day in active addiction um, isn't even close to my worst day today. Uh, my worst days today are, are by far nothing compared to what it was. Um, so it's, it's a total metanoia. It's a, it's a mind change. Um, it, it's a big shift uh, for the positive when you can find all those things I just mentioned. Well, that's pretty much all the time that we have today. I want to urge you, if you find this information helpful, if you find this story uplifting, we want you to be sharing this with people who you think need to hear this stuff. Hopefully somebody hears this and and knows that there's a different, a better way to live, that it is possible. Uh, Because again, for the longest time, I didn't think it was possible. I had to see it from other people uh, right in front of my face (laughs) to to give me a little bit of hope that it could help me. So I appreciate the opportunity. I appreciate what you guys do. Uh, and, I, and I hope you enjoy your time here in Louisa uh, with Addiction Recovery Care. Yeah, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. Well, all right. We'll cut this thing off and call it a good day. Huge thank you to Brandon Hill. We wouldn't be able to do the show if people like you weren't stepping up to share their stories. So you're incredible. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you to ARC Addiction Recovery Care for doing your incredible work. Also, big thanks to WSKV, the radio station that is broadcasting our show. And thanks to the Powell County Health Department and Kentucky Rio for sponsoring the show and making sure that it goes on. I'm your host, Nate Brooks. Thank you all for tuning in once again. This is The Local Lens. These are our people using our voices, telling our stories, because no one sees it like we do.